Hello and welcome to Qualified Rugby Person Podcast. It takes pop views in the boots, but before Hall has a chance to wrap her in this case, I'm Tanner, they, them, that's Lindsay, she, her. We're brainstorming fan fiction that I, Lindsay, have you heard of the Inhumans? Yeah, I heard of the Inhumans. <sighs> okay, I'm the only motherfucker who likes the Inhumans. The comic, not the TV show. No, no, all my homies hate the TV show. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even see the TV show. I heard it was bad. <laughs> that's what, exactly. All my homies did not watch the TV show. Yeah. And it's not like I I don't like the Inhumans. I like the the concept of the Inhumans. It's just I, despite writing Marvel fan fiction, I rarely pick up Marvel comics, which is honestly probably the best way to absorb like the franchise mm-hmm. without breaking your wallet. Yeah, I used to be a pretty uh, adamant comic buyer until the pandemic happened, and I said just cancel all my list because I don't know what I'll be coming in next. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow. I'm saving, like, $100 a month. <laughs> yep. And, like, I understand why comics need to be expensive, because you need to pay the creators, except most of that money isn't actually going to the creators. Yeah. And there's a whole article about how the creators get screwed out of royalties for creating characters that Marvel and DC then put in movies that make a billion dollars, and the creators get $300. Yeah, and this goes back to the fucking beginning. Just look up... Like how DC wound up with the rights to Superman, it is super sketchy. Yeah, yeah. And like when and whenever you see a story about it's like, oh, they're suing DC and Marvel for the rights to the characters that their dying father who has cancer created, and everyone's like, I can't believe this. These people are trying to stop movies from being made. Like, no, shut the fuck up. All they're doing is trying to retain ownership. They would obviously still be licensing them to Marvel. Yeah. So then they can get the money. That's how they get the money. Yeah. Oh, boo-hoo. Disney would have to spend mo- more money to make money. D- the Disney that has so little money. Yeah, look. There's only one creator out there who is making billions of dollars from their franchise, basically solo, and that is a fucking British turf right now. Exactly. Yeah. God, I wonder who she sold her soul to. She didn't need to. It's it's just capitalism, baby! Uh, but speaking about queer shit, capitalism, and Disney screwing people over. Mm-hmm. So, the Inhumans. They originated in the Fantastic Four comics, if I remember correctly, yes. as kind of villains? Uh, antagonists. Yeah. They weren't necessarily evil, but they... Well, okay, it was the 60s, so when I say they weren't evil, they were just a little bit of eugenicists. It was the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Again, not subtle. These are comics meant for children. Yeah. Uh, and the idea was that they were a secret society of slightly superhuman people. That they all had, like lived a little bit longer than normal people, and they were slightly stronger and like slightly more harder to take down, essentially. Super toughness. Yeah, human plus. Yes. But then they go through the terrigenesis, which... The Terrigen mists would permeate their cells and cause them to go through a metamorphosis into a super superhuman. Called an inhu- I mean, they're all inhumans, but these are inhumans that have gained their powers. Yeah. And so they had the leader, Blackagar Boltagon, also known as Black Bolt, <laughs> who had, <laughs> who does not have super loud powers. Much like how Cyclops doesn't have heat vision, he, his eyes fire punches from the punch dimension. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Black Bolt it doesn't have super loud powers, it's just that his voice creates a zone that deatomizes matter in front of him, the louder he would speak. Mm-hmm. 
So if he just said hello to you in just that volume, you're dust. Yeah. Then there was Medusa, who had prehensile hair, and she was his wife. Uh, then there was the assorted royal family, who I can't remember. I know Crystal is Medusa's sister. Um, she had the power of the elements. She got real lucky that she got to be in the latest Avengers, um, alliance- no, Marvel Ultimate Alliance game. Yeah, I think she's the one with an on-again, off-again thing with Quicksilver. Yeah, they have a kid. Yeah. They have an entire child, um, which might come back into this. Um, there's also, there's Gorgon, yeah, so there's Medusa, who doesn't have snakes for hair, and then there's Gorgon, who doesn't have snakes for anything. He's like a satyr. Yeah, it's weird. There's Triton, he's a fish man. There's Karnak, who never actually went through Terragenesis, but he does, he has learned to find the weakness in anything, just through, like, sheer force of will. Okay. And then there's Lockjaw. Everyone's problematic fave Lockjaw. Yeah. Who is a giant pug bulldog situation in that area, mm-hmm. who has the power to teleport, but he's also a big dog, but he's an inhuman. And was he a, do- a dog that went through Terragenesis, or is he an inhuman that went through Terragenesis and now he's a dog? And everyone treats him like a dog, but he's a person, but he also acts like a dog. Is Lockjaw a little freak? <laughs> Why wasn't he just, like, a weird dog who could just so happen to go through Terragenesis? Like, from the beginning. I think I think that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it was a dog that wound up in the Terragenesis chamber, but everyone said it was, like, a second cousin of the royal family because they were too embarrassed to admit that a dog ended up in the Terragenesis chamber. <laughs> the dog got loose. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the secret origin of Lockjaw is actually a cat, but the Terragenesis <laughs> turned him into a dog. <laughs> it's like the cat who thinks it's a dog and the dog who thinks it's a cat. <laughs> but yeah, so the point of the Inhumans was that they were like a very isolated society. And unlike Wakanda, which was like like talking about stereotypes about Darkest Africa, and then eventually that developed into Afrofuturism, and they had a whole thing about like opening themselves up to the world. Uh, the Inhumans and the city of Adelan didn't really do that for a long time. Yeah. They had, like, a brief attempt in, I want to say, the mid-2000s. I think shortly after Secret Invasion. Yeah. Because then it was like, we're showing our allegiance with the Avengers by letting our Inhuman teens go to college, or something like that. I think that was when Crystal and Pietro had their kid. But for the most part, it was like, we're sticking in our city of Adelan, it is underwater, occasionally we're going to war with Atlantis, uh, this war went badly, now we're going to the moon! We, we went to the blue zone of the moon, that one bubble of oxygen on the moon that everyone knows about, and it's fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> is it the same area that, like, the X-Men went to at the start of the Phoenix Saga, or is that a different part? I don't know. X-Men space travel will also factor into this. <laughs> Of course it will. <laughs> Maybe not in the way you think, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the backstory of the Inhumans is that, uh, like, years ago when humanity was first evolving, the Kree showed up, and they did, like, experiments on humans to create the Inhumans, basically as, like, a super-powered soldiers that they could control, because the Shi'ar had their, like, Imperial Guard, which was a bunch of Shi'ar mutants, and they're like, well, we don't have mutants in the Kree, so we're just going to make designer super-soldiers. All right. And we're going to let them do their thing. 
on Earth, and then we'll come back and harvest them when we need to. Uh, eventually, this did lead to, like, a, actually, I think several wars between the Kree and the Inhumans over the course of Marvel. But then we come to the 2010s era. The MCU is really kicking off, but this is an era where they still don't have the rights to all their big properties. They still don't have Spider-Man, they still don't have Fantastic Four, they still don't have X-Men, so they're writing around that. And one of the ways they write around that is, so they couldn't cut the knees out from Spider-Man, because Spider-Man is one of their ten-pull franchises. But the X-Men and Fantastic Four are also ten-pull franchises, but they still said, no, fuck this. Fantastic Four canceled. Future Foundation canceled. X-Men paring them down to, like, three comics. Like, an X-Men title, a Wolverine title, and whoever wants a solo series. Storm, do you want a solo series for ten issues? Here you go. Deal with it. And as they're doing this, as they're, like, squishing the X-Men down, they're also bringing the Inhumans back. Uh, During the first Avengers movie, there was an event called Infinity, where, like, among other things that happen, we find out that Thanos has an inhuman son. And then we find out that there's actually inhumans all over the world. There's inhumans who left Adelan and formed new inhuman cities across Earth, and then some of the population just, like, bred with the rest. So now, like, people all over Earth have the potential to have inhuman DNA in them, and all they need is terrigenesis to unlock that. Mm-hmm. And through with some other sort of shenanigans, I, d- I started, like, just after Infinity ended. Yeah. But from my understanding, there is, they set off a Terrigen bomb that basically released the Terrigen mist throughout all of Earth. And so as this cloud passes over Earth, a whole bunch of random people start going through Terrigenesis and developing superhuman abilities. And they become the Inhumans. They're, like, unofficially called the New Humans because they're the New Inhumans. So it's, like, N-U Humans. They're, they're new the new metal humans. <laughs> I was about to make something related to <laughs> new metal. Much like Freaks on a Leash. <laughs> um, now, several new characters. <laughs> I At some point, we need to talk about Marvel. was like, here's an event that has created like seven new cool super-powered characters that are going to be stables, staples of Marvel comics for years to come. It's been two years, they're dead now. Um, this happens a lot to the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the biggest problems I have with Marvel is that, like, they are so stuck with, like, these particular characters that they've had, like, since probably, with a few exceptions since the 70s, that they cannot, like, get away from at all. Yeah. And there's just no room for these new characters, probably because, like, there's 15 different Spider-Man titles at any given time. Yeah. Let's go go back and listen to when we were fixing Marvel Comics, yeah. and we said, you get one title per character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there were more people devoted to not Spider-Man. Exactly. But yeah, so they introduced a whole bunch of Inhumans. For example, there was Dante Pertuz, also known as Inferno. Get it? Dante's Inferno. He had fire powers. It was uh, he was like the poster boy for the new humans. He showed up on a lot of like all new, all different Marvel, Marvel Now, Marvel Next. He got to show up in the Marvel Rising series that was like promoting other cool new teen heroes. Um, and yeah, he had fire powers. There was also Jason, aka Flint, who had rock powers. He had the honor of sh- actually showing up in live action uh, in Agents of Shield. Okay. 
there was Naja who turned into like a snake girl and so she could like glide like a flying squirrel and also turn invisible. Uh, there was Frank. I can't remember his human name. His people name was Frank. He was a former former cop, and, and then he got the power to like shoot light out of his eyes. And so they gave him inhuman tech where he's like, here's some glasses that connect to guns, and now you can shoot your eye beams out of guns. Okay. <laughs> um, there was... So he wasn't a new human. He was, like, established. He was a new character that, like, remember the new guy situation. Like, yeah, he's always been here, totally. Uh, his name was Reader, and he had the power that anything he read would become reality so if he read the word fire then fire would appear okay and he was like brought up in one of the other non-adalan inhuman villages and so he was immediately blinded as a child and so now what he does he carries around a belt with a bunch of braille tablets Ah. and he can do a read three times a day and so if he reads c he can see out the eyes of his dog vori he has a dog we love him already if he reads kill he kills everything in his immediate vicinity uh, and like, but yeah, stuff like that. He's great. We love Reader. Uh, there's, he also, in, in the arc, like, as everyone's trying to like get the Inhumans together and figure out what we're doing with like all these Inhumans popping off, his main thing is escorting a new human named Iso. I believe her original name was Jai Yi because she's from China okay. and she had the power of pressure. So she could just put, like, exude pressure on people. Um, she did, she did one thing where she actually uh, lowered the pressure in a room that caused, like, some people's faculties to stop working, and they just became real dumb for the duration. Oh, okay. And so, and also there was a girl named Kamala Khan. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah, she, she goes through Terragenesis, she gets stretchy powers, and she becomes the new Miss Marvel, who is the greatest character, the only, like, one of the few new characters that Marvel created in this era that actually stuck around. Yeah. It was, like, her... And Nadia Pym, uh, or I guess Nadia Van Dyne, and Nadia Van Dyne, I like, uh, honestly, both of them are really only hung around because of their legacy. Kamala, at least, has, like, she's her own character and she has a lot of appeal outside of being the successor to Miss Marvel. Nadia Van Dyne, who I'm sure is lovely, I'm sure she has fans, uh, but I think she's really only hanging on because she's the new Wasp. Yeah. I think Janet is still dead. Poor Janet. I also think uh, I also think Hank Pym is still fused with Ultron. <laughs> I I'm honestly surprised that's been going on for as long as it has. Yeah. <laughs> Again, one of the few things that that is stuck. Actually, I'll I'll give this to Kurt and Marvel. Their status quo has been sticking around for a while, and I'm kind of impressed. Yeah, yeah. There was a time when like all of these event comics were happening. And it's like, oh yeah, we're changing up the status quo. And it's like, what fucking status quo, Marvel? Things are changing so much, you can't establish what the status quo is. Exactly. Um, But yeah, so Kamala Khan is great and everyone loves her. But now we have the the problem that the Inhumans are quite obviously being used to replace the X-Men and the mutants. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't obvious before... We get IVX in Humans vs. X-Men, where we find out that the, the Terrigen Cloud it like causes people to develop superpowers if they have the inhuman genes, but it also causes M-Pox and is killing off mutants. It's not subtle at all. This wasn't that long uh, after, uh, you know, Wanda went nuts at one time and said no more mutants? No, th- this was like ten years after, but like, it was just like, here's the thing, after the decimation... 
Because that happened right before Civil War, so that yeah. was like 2005. Okay, yeah. It just feels fairly, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like starting with the decimation, Marvel spent like 15 years just beating X-Men with sticks. Yeah! <laughs> what? Is it because you realize that you sold, like, you spread all of your properties out? Like, when you license them for films, and you're angry about it? But that that's literally the thing. They were trying to... S- yeah. They were thought that by getting rid of the X-Men, they could sabotage the X-Men films, and there wouldn't, there wouldn't be any new characters for the X-Men films to make properties off of, because they were still owned by Fox at the time. So they're putting all their money in Inhumans, and the Inhumans, and the Inhumans of the new X-Men, and the Inhumans have joined the Avengers Unity Squad. And, like, all these characters that thought were mutants, they secretly weren't mutants after all. And, uh, Inhumans on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Daisy Johnson was an Inhuman all along. In humans and humans and humans. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here with almost no exposure to either being like, I like both of them. Why can't you just get along? <laughs> and then Disney bought Fox. Yeah. Really, the only good thing that came out of that was the fact that they immediately did a 180 and brought the X-Men back because they realized, oh shit, everyone loves the X-Men. And because we are pit the Inhumans against the X-Men, everyone hates the Inhumans. Yep. So then we get the event death of the Inhumans, where the Inhumans die. You don't have to do that. The, the, the Kree send out, like, just, like, they, what was it? I'm trying to remember. It was like, the Kree sent out super soldiers, but then it wasn't actually super soldiers. It was they were taking mind control over select Inhumans and using them to kill off all the other Inhumans. And eventually it just leads to the royal family saying, well, all the other Inhumans on Earth are dead. Guess we better leave to parts unknown, and they haven't been seen again. <laughs> oh, Marvel, you're great at creating your own fucking problems. Yes, but I'm going to use Marvel to solve their own problems. Okay. <laughs> Just got to get through a little bit more backstory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, two, two important things have happened since that. The first off is Age of Krakoa. Are you familiar with this? Um, I've heard kind of about it. Okay, so the deal with the X-Men now is the, the, like I said, full 180. The X-Men have set up shop on the island of Krakoa, which is, itself is a mutant. I... <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they set up shop on the Isle of Krakoa, and they got five mutants whose powers work together just enough to team up with Cerebro, the thing that can scan and detect mutants all over Earth, mm-hmm. and basically... Using that, using all of the mutant mind scans that have been banked in Cerebro, they are resurrecting every single fucking mutant. Yeah. Everyone is alive again. Uh, remember when we said they keep on killing off the X-Men? <laughs> well, they're back. Yeah. Every single X-Men is back. And all the former enemies are now working together on the council. And Mr. Sinister is a funny British man who has schemes and Exodus is there referring to Hope Summers as the Messiah. <laughs> okay. Celine unleashed a kaiju made out of corpses, and so they sh- gave her a headshot, brought her back, demanded she shut it down, and then killed her again, and now she has to wait in line like everyone else. <laughs> it's like, why would you even bring back Celine in the first place? Well, see, so they didn't bring Selene. Selene showed up on the island because, like, oh, we're all playing nice because we're all mutants? Great. Can I be on the council? And they said, maybe. And then she said, okay, here's the thing. If I don't get to be on the council, I will attack you with a monster. And then I, they eventually they brought back Hope because I think Hope was like, the people who are in charge of resurrecting the all, every single mutant in existence do not agree with your politics. So you better put one of us on the council. So they put Hope on the council. Selene says, great. Here's my monster. 
yeah, so they kill her, and then they bring her back, and they say, shut down the monster. She's like, geez, fine. And they do that, and then they kill her again, and now she has to wait in line. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they only brought her back so that, like, she could be in the vicinity of the thing to shut it down. Because I think she, br- like, she summons a monster and then goes to Paris, and so they have to chase it down to Paris. But, like, even in the first place, I'm like, you don't bring back Celine. No, because they're like they're they're trying to be very uh, level footing with everyone. Like, oh yeah, all the good the good mutants, bad mutants, just like Pokemon. There's no such thing as good and bad mutants. Only people who make choices. Well, Selene has made some pretty terrible choices. So, <laughs> but she's also a girl boss. So, like, you know, yeah. I mean, who else is gonna do evil schemes in a black leather bustier? So, yeah. But yeah, so that's the X-Men status quo for the past three years now, has been that every X-Men gets to survive, every mutant gets to come back. Now, there is an event that's starting, like, I think by the time this episode comes out, where the Eternals are fighting the X-Men because the Eternals find out that technically the X-Men are immortal and you're not supposed to do that. Um, And the Avengers are caught in the middle because obviously they haven't said that, hey, we have resurrective immortality, but only for mutants. Um... But I imagine they're going to come out of that fine on account of they have already have another event scheduled for later this year called Dark Web, which I like to refer to as Ben and Madeline's bogus clone journey. <laughs> ben Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor, the two most cloned people in the Marvel Universe, decide, just decide to break stuff. I mean, fair. Um, but for my plans, I'm going to assume that the Age of Krakoa will still be going forward. Or at the very least, the X-Men aren't going to be like, Maybe they don't have the resurrection power anymore, but at the very least, they aren't going to be like completely slaughtered for like what the ninth time. Yeah, I think I think Marvel learned from their mistakes, and they're not going to when they need to get rid of some mutants, they're not going to kill them off. They're just going to say, "Hey, go live over there. Mm-hmm. We'll put you in a group shot like every other year to say you're still alive, but we just won't write anything for you." Yeah, which is what you're supposed to do in comics. <laughs> just yeah, put them in a corner and say, "Focus elsewhere." Yeah, look at DC. <laughs> Anyways, now the other important thing that happened is that Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, got her own TV show on Disney+, Plus, streaming now. Um, and this is going to be spoilers, obviously, but I also feel like if you wanted to watch Ms. Marvel at this point, you already would have. Especially since it was a re release, and so it's a lot easier to watch the shows on Disney+, Plus because you don't have to binge them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so spoilers for Ms. Marvel. Uh, uh, so her shtick, in, in the show, it's changed that she's not, uh, she is part of Jin. Yeah. Air quotes, Jin, because they do also say, hey, like, we called them Jin because they showed up in an area where we already had folklore about Jin. If Thor had landed here, we would have called him a Jin. Fair. So Kamala is part Jin through her great grandmother, and because of that, she has the power to access Noor light from the Noor dimension using a bangle of, the, again, that was found by her great grandmother, but was attached to the arm of a dead Kree. So. We don't know what's going on there, but it's probably connected to Captain Marvel, because Miss Marvel will return in the Marvels next year. And another power bracelet thing that is making me think of one Shang-Chi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, there's So there might be a connection to, between uh, the, the that, but like, so, <laughs> tangent. In Shang-Chi, when uh, Captain Marvel, when Carol analyzes the Ten Rings, she says she doesn't recognize it. So they're probably not Kree technology. So even though the bangle is found on the arm of a Kree, I don't think it's Kree technology. I think this is related to the Eternals somehow, which I just watched the other night. And it was not awful. And <laughs> It was a movie. I think that they could do real well if they, like I just said, take Cersei and say, hey, 
She's in the corner now. Focus elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Poor Gemma Chan. I don't know what direction she was getting other, but she, Gemma Chan, an actress who was capable of emoting and some for some reason just chose not to in The Eternals. And that's why everyone else seems like a much more interesting character. Yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> but the important thing is that it, at the end of the season finale, uh, like the penultimate scene, uh, she's talking to her best friend Bruno, and he's like, "Hey, your brother was asking me if he could also use your light powers if he had the bangle." Uh, but I was like checking, and like, there's something different about your DNA. And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, there's something." Dramatic pause, and everyone's like, "Oh, is he gonna say there's something inhuman?" I was like, "No, it's like there's something like a mutation." And then the score goes. <laughs> And then, of course, six hours later, you have to post the interview with Kevin Feige, Aman Vellani, and the showrunner, who all three of them saying, yeah, Kamala's the first mutant that we've had on screen in the MCU, if you don't count Patrick Stewart's variant from another universe. Uh, so, yeah, no, uh, Kamala confirmed mutant in the MCU. Kevin Feige stole my idea. <laughs> But that's okay, because this actually lends more credence to my plans. Because of like I, I wanted to do an Inhumans thing for a while, and I finally realized the the solution to having Inhumans versus mutants is to just say, Inhumans are mutants. Okay. So first in the comics, the first thing we can do for resurrection of the Inhumans yeah. is say that most of them never actually died. Okay. Civil War II was started by an Inhuman who could see the future, so we're going to say that that Inhuman saw a vision of the Inhumans dying and told that to a bunch of Inhumans. It didn't get to the royal family, because we're going to say at this point they realize the royal family really only cares about themselves. So all of the new humans and a bunch of like the lower level civilian Inhumans, they like they like message each other and they get in communication like, what are we going to do? And Rita's like, I have an idea. Uh, I'm going to like use my power so that when they show up, we're g- I'm going to read the word possum. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to think we're dead and that they killed us. Okay. And it'll all be an illusion. And then after that, like, we'll just go to ground. Because if the Kree are trying to exterminate the Inhumans, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Kree leave thinking all the Inhumans are dead. The Inhuman royal family leaves thinking all the Inhumans are dead. And now there's just a bunch of bog-standard civilian-level Inhumans like, okay, what do we do now? I guess we just try and live normal lives? Yep. But of course, some of them, they liked being superheroes when they were working with the Inhumans, and so they're going to go back to doing that. Mainly, the main three, Inferno, uh, Iso, and Flint, are going to kind of form their own squad of Inhumans that has just been doing street level, but eventually they catch people's attention, and eventually it'd be like, so it's like, oh my gosh, there's mutants out here! And so X-Force or whatever are going to show up and like, wait, these aren't mutants, I recognize you, y'all are Inhumans! Didn't you die? And they're like, yeah. Hang on. Didn't you guys die? <laughs> Sp- the three Spider-Man pointing at each other. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and eventually the Inhumans find out that, like, the X-Men have this resurrective immortality and the X-Men find out, oh, the Inhumans are still around. We don't know how we feel about that because we did have a w- kind of a war against them unofficially. And also the Terragenesis was killing us. Yeah. And there's basically going to be a lot of bad blood between the Inhumans because the Inhumans are essentially going to say, really, what is so different between you you and us? Yeah. Like, let's let's break it down. And, like, I'm going to break it down, but, like, they can break it down in the comic, too. Yeah. So the mutants are normal people who suddenly have special abilities that they didn't ask for, 
And some of them become superheroes, but most of them just want to live in peace. But they're unfairly targeted by a, a public that doesn't understand because they only trust heroes that were put in positions of power as the meritocracy of power yeah. is really what it is in the Marvel Universe. And that's the best, also the best way to explain why the X-Men are discriminated against and everybody stands the Avengers. Yeah. Is that it's an assumption that if you have superpowers, you have earned them somehow. And therefore, if you're a mutant, you didn't earn your superpowers. Same with the Inhumans. They didn't earn their superpowers. Yeah, they were born with it. Well, and that's the thing, yeah. is that the Inhumans were... Like, so one of the criticisms against the Inhumans replacing the X-Men is that the X-Men for the longest time have been a metaphor for being queer, yeah. because it's like, it's this thing that you've always been, and you realize it around puberty, and it sets you apart from everyone else, but then you find a community. Um, and also, almost every X-Person, every mutant is queer. Yeah! We've talked about this in our own X-Men episode. Rogue and Gambit have officially submitted their application to join Gene Logan and Scott's moon thruple. <laughs> Which might be a Mars thruple now, because the X-Men are colonizing Mars. Great. But yeah, so that's so people criticize the Inhumans for being a bad replacement because it's like, oh well, it's it's not something that you always were. It's something that's thrust upon you. We're like, well, no, it's just yeah, the Terrigen Cloud is a catalyst for yeah. it. But they were always gonna do that if they encountered that one thing, and it's much like you could compare it to the latent life gaze or like the cracking of eggs yeah. where it's like I'm walking through my normal life thinking everything is fine and then I see something that makes me realize gender and bibbidi bobbidi bam <laughs> yep look not everything has to happen in your teen years okay Ex exactly yep. but yeah so it's like this can really be a debate it's like inhumans are nothing like mutants and like oh we're discriminated against yeah but your powers come from the terrigen cloud well it just activates them and like we're born with them yeah like yeah oh yeah well uh you're you're privileged and you have a city on the moon you're colonizing mars <laughs> You were created from genetic experiments by the Kree. Weren't the Eternals involved with fucking around with human DNA to begin with? That's. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> so while this is all going on, Hank McCoy is going to be analyzing the inhuman genome closer than he ever has before. Yeah. Um, and he's also... This is precedent because he actually worked with the Inhumans for a run. There was a run of Inhumans where it was like Beast and also the Human, human Torch joined the Inhumans just to like help them figure out their stuff and deal with political things yeah. and also Human Torch and Medusa were fucking because she was separated from Black Bolt at the time. <laughs> Wait, what, was this Johnny Storm or Jim Hammond? This was Johnny Storm. Okay. <laughs> because good God, don't put all the Fantastic Four in a book together with each other. Johnny Storm is with the Inhumans. The thing is with the Guardians of the Galaxy along with Kitty Pride, And Reed and Sue and their kids are just on a multiversal romp because Reed became, like, the creator of the new multiverse after Secret Wars. Don't worry about it! <laughs> this is as bad as Franklin being the one in charge of the timeline. Also, evil Reed from the Ultimate Universe came back and he was fighting against AIM, which was now a division of the Avengers, and Scroll Girl was there. Not important, though. <laughs> Scroll Girl is legally not a mutant. There is an issue of Unbeatable Scroll Girl where her mom shows up and she's like, yeah, I can't remember exactly what the doctor said, but he said, I don't know what Doreen's powers come from, but she is legally distinct from being a mutant. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. 
Hank is analyzing the human genome, and he's looking at what they know about the history of the humanity's evolution and just straight-up manipulation by the Celestials and Eternals. Because that's the thing, is that the, the Marvel version of metahumans that DC has is basically every person on Earth could develop powers if exposed to the right trigger. Yeah. So, for example, not everyone is going to become a Hulk from gamma radiation, but because Bruce's DNA was just the right da 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 and now he's the Hulk. Yeah. But then there was also, like, all these latent abilities essentially were bred together and created the mutants, and created mutants fairly early on within humanity's evolution. And the Kree showed up a significant amount of time after the Eternals and Celestials did. So Hank is analyzing, he's realizing, wait a second. There's no, there's an X gene. There is no I gene. Inhumans are mutants. Inhumans have an X gene. Yeah. The Creed didn't create super soldiers out of humans. They found mutants with abilities they liked and basically genetically manipulated so that these powers were locked and the, basically the Creed could unlock them at their choosing. Yeah. That we can, we can uh, like look at these abilities. We can pick and choose which ones we want to activate, but then we don't have to waste time and like training and utilizing ones that have weak abilities. And we also won't activate the ones that seem like they're not going to be like suitable soldiers that are going to follow all of our orders. Mm-hmm. That like there's going to be the, so then like he brings this to the council. He brings this to the mutant population. They're like, okay, but what about MPOX? Is like, well, that's what happens when you try and mutate a mutant, essentially. It was trying to activate X genes that people didn't have and causing an adverse, uh, like, essentially, and, um, you know, um, your immune system essentially attacking you because it was trying to mutate a, a second time. A, a cytokine storm. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, but Henry, didn't you mutate a second time? Like, yes. So I th- I'm pretty sure what happened was I accidentally created a, uh, a because the way back, Remember, Henry, Henry, Hank McCoy was not always a catboy. Yeah. <laughs> he was not always a Hrothgar from Final Fantasy XIV, free to play up to level 60 with the first expansion, etc., etc. No, once upon a time, he just had really big feet. <laughs> once upon a time, he was just fuck Hans McMike. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was a smart man, and he created a serum that could cause mutations in people. And he was like, th- then he found out that someone was going to steal it. And so there's this comic panel was like, I don't know what happens when you mutate a mutant, but I've got to find out. I've got to. And then he downs the serum and he becomes a cat boy. <laughs> and he's been like in a state of flux. And he's like, yeah, I think the serum I created essentially activated the, the X gene the same way that the teragenesis does in the sense that it activated secondary mutations that I had locked away because of the genetic manipulations of the Kree. Like this, so this is what happens when a, a mutant, not a thoroughbred mutant, because that's a weird, but like a mutant that was never inhumanized and in humans who were inhumanized mm-hmm. and their bloodlines crossed and created someone like me who was born a mutant, a, a double mutant, essentially. Yeah, one of those people who just like gets all the recessive traits. Yeah. And we can use this to also explain uh, like Quicksilver and Crystal's daughter and any, really any other mutants that have, like, spontaneously developed mutations later in life, we can say, oh, it was, like, if we can't justify it as them, like, learning how to control their powers power, we'll just say, yeah, it was a, it was a mutation. Or it was in human lineage, like, on top of your already mut- mutant lineage. Yeah. Or, in the case of one character from my fanfiction, getting bit by a fucking vampire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that Jubilee hasn't gone, like, more vampire powers. Or does she have more vampire powers? She actually got cured of vampirism, oh, okay. like, 
three years ago, I think, oh, okay. and then very recently got her mutant powers back. Okay. Because, yeah, she... The, again, speaking of things I'm surprised stuck around for a while, Jubilee was a vampire for, like, a good decade, because she did get hit by the decimation and lose her powers. Mm-hmm. And she was a vampire for the longest time, and then she got cured of the vampirism, and then it took a few years after that for her to get her firework powers back. Okay. But yeah, we can use this to, we, we explain beast, we explain inhumans and the connection to mutants, which is, they're the same thing, they're just being, literally, the Kree were gatekeeping them. Yeah. We can use this to explain Squirrel Girl. We can say Squirrel Girl, the reason they didn't detect the X gene is because she, like, it presented in the weird like activation of her Inhumans gene. So Squirrel Girl isn't a mutant, she's an Inhuman, mm-hmm. but because Inhumans are mutants, Squirrel Girl isn't a mutant, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and so now all the Inhumans are mutants, and like the final, the final test will be like, okay, well, if they're truly mutants, then Cerebro will be able to detect them. And so they go on Cerebro, and Cerebro's like, well, now that we know the X gene is theoretically detectable in this form, we can use it to scan for Inhumans and see if they count as mutants. Yeah. Boo! Oh, wow, the mutant population just, like, increased by 50% because of all these Inhumans who are mutants all along. Yes. <laughs> all right, load them up into the brain banks. <laughs> Yeah, I guess if any of you guys die, we can start resurrecting you. <laughs> and that's that's just like the lore thing. Like the actual character conflict would come from actual members of the X-Men being like, I don't know if we want to like let you in on this. And the Inhumans like, why? There's no reason for this. The only difference is that our power is activated in a different way. My God, you guys have late blooming mutants too, do you not? Yeah. And that's the thing is that so the Inhumans are essentially just a specific version of mutants who, for whatever reason, the mutants don't want them into it because they feel they are diluting the idea of a mutant community. Hmm. <laughs> I'm gesturing and trans-exclusionary policies. Yeah. The Inhumans are all trans. <laughs> They're all a metaphor for being trans, but also, there's no rule saying that everyone we've established is not already trans. Reader is trans now. Yeah. Reader, trans. Dante, trans. Naja, trans. Naja actually got, like, the supernaturally validated trans person because her inhuman form looked more femme than when she was around. We never actually got to see a picture of Naja before her terrogenesis, so this actually makes a lot more sense. Like, but I'm trans, I'm also a snake. Metaphors. Symbolism. Representation. I am good representation because I'm a snake lady. <laughs> Where's the inhuman royal family? We don't care anymore. Lockjaw actually abandoned them and teleported to Earth, and he's the only one we care about anymore. Lockjaw is now a member of the X-Men. I mean, Lockjaw is pretty much Kamala's pet, so... Exactly! <laughs> Alright, we have to address Kamala. Um, yeah. Let's just say, because Kamala wasn't even mentioned in Death of the Inhumans because they knew that they could not have her targeted by the Kree at all. So let's just say that, like, in order to protect Kamala, like, one of the Inhumans gave her a mind wipe, and then when she gets it reversed, first she's like, oh, hell, like, first she's like, oh, yeah, this happened. Oh, my God, all the Inhumans died. Oh, they're actually fine now. Oh, my gosh, I'm an X-Man. Because <laughs> that's the thing, is that because they make Kamala a mutant in the TV show, they're almost definitely going to make her a mutant in the comics. Yeah. And I think the best way to do that, coming for a circle, is to just say all the Inhumans were mutants all along. Yeah. Again, just a slightly different type of mutant exactly all because of the kree fuck the kree and this can open up a lot of interesting plot developments because it's like now you have a lot of people who are like i always knew there was something different about me and i guess it meant i was a mutant (laughs) it's like i mean donnie you already had electric powers you all i saw you go through terrogenesis yeah 
But now I'm realizing that ever since I was a kid, I felt like I was a part of the X-Men. Oh, also, be- I'm gay. <laughs> it's like, golf clap for you. <laughs> 16 minutes of unadulterated applause. <laughs> Yeah, it can open up stuff about, like, oh, we could, oh, yeah, that was the other thing. So, the Kree, because obviously the Kree knew that the Inhumans were mutants, because they're the one who made the Inhumans out of mutants. Yeah. So we can say, so why did the Kree, like, never come into direct conflict with the X-Men? The answer, they knew they couldn't survive conflict with the X-Men. Especially now, especially now that they're all back alive and they own Mars, they have the deed to Mars. <laughs> Now the Kree definitely don't want to mess with the X-Men, but now they've just found... Now the X-Men have just been informed, okay, so the Kree, basically, now that now that we are buddy-buddy with the Inhumans, okay, so the Kree tried to do a genocide against half of us. We're not fond of that. Yeah. It can also bring back the moral... The, 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 moral, the royal family, who have always been a little morally gray, except maybe Crystal, and I guess technically Lockjaw. Mm-hmm. Lockjaw was secretly the mastermind all along. <laughs> But yeah, bring back the royal family, and they can be like, oh, we don't know if we want to say we're mutants, because that's, like, diluting the inhuman lineage. Like, okay, well, you're just weird eugenicist. You can go back to the moon. Yeah. Crystal, you want to come back? Yeah, sure, I love being with the father of my child that I have. Yes. I'm the only one of you who got to be in a video game. So, yes, I will join the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then the inhuman royal family fucks off back to space. Or maybe they die. Maybe we just blow them up. Maybe the Kree blow them up, and they're like, the problem is solved! And then the X-Men show up, the problem is not solved, the problem is worse, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie! Yeah. But that's my pitch to fix the Inhumans, both in terms of, like, the films and TV shows and the comics themselves. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to directly, like, tag Marvel and Kevin in this, because, I mean, okay, they're not going to listen. But also, like... Pay me? If they do this then I might be able to sue them. Yeah. But I'm. this is me saying, like, hey, if you do hear this and you think I have great ideas, bring me on and I will write it. Mm-hmm. I'll take any artist you want. I prefer Jamie McKelvey because it's great. But also I feel like Jamie McKelvey is, like, very overworked because he's one of the biggest names in the business. Yeah. I'll also take Adrian Alfana. Mm-hmm. I'll take anyone. I'll take anything. Marvel pay me to fix in humans. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> I have the power. I guess it's going to be interesting for the people who had their powers unlocked at an earlier stage than like the big mutants like coming out and the big inhuman coming out. Yeah. Oh, this also means that okay, so this means that Daisy Johnson can also join the X-Men. Yeah. It means that Moon Girl can join the X-Men. Oh yeah. There was, I think it was, yeah, there was Secret Warriors event during Secret Empire, which was like, according to reviewers, one of the few good things that came out of that event. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Daisy, Moon Girl, Karnak, and Dante basically on a road trip to protecting humans from the fascists. Yeah. And we can just do like, uh, like Secret X or X Warriors or something, and it can be like the reunion of that team, yeah. plus Crystal, plus, <laughs> plus Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, so after the Miss Marvel finale, people were complaining, like, this is just gonna get Kamala buried in background shots of X-Men comics. Like, no, this is gonna, like, boost Kamala's profile even more. Mm-hmm. Like, she used to be, like, just one of teen's favorite characters. Now she is part of the biggest property that Marvel has. Yeah. I don't care how overstuffed it is. She's already made her mark. Yeah. And, like, aside from, like, if you go further back with the 
moniker of Miss Marvel, well, Carol Danvers, like, when she got her powers, like, she was super powerful to the point of being overpowered, and guess who de- kind of depowered her? Motherfucking Rogue. Yeah, that's why Rogue is, like, can fly and punch real hard, mm-hmm. which I don't think they ever explain in the cartoon. I Like, yeah, Rogue has the power to absorb life no, force. they did. Also, she can fly. And she Carol Danvers showed up in one of the episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mind you, I only saw, like, the first season. Okay. But it's all on Disney Plus, and uh, they've at this point they would have already previewed the new X Men ninety seven seasons that they're making. Yeah, but yeah, that's all I've got for the Inhumans. No, that's good. I love it. All right, yeah. in that case, I'm oh my gosh, this mist is surrounding me, and I'm b- b- being s- c- turned into a cocoon. And one day I merge off the power of a friendship promo. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Queer as Fact, a queer history podcast. My name is Hamish, and I use he, him pronouns. Hello, I'm Alice, and I use she, her pronouns. My name's Eli, and I use he, him. My name's Irene. Conventionally, I use she, her, but I don't really mind what you use. We are four history students huddled in an unstable blanket fort to reduce reverb. In each episode, one of us will talk about a queer topic from history, whether it's a person, an event, an era, or an object, while the rest of us will make interested noises and ask questions. We tried very hard to nail down a definition of the word queer before we started this podcast, but there has been a lot of history across a lot of different cultures, and one simple definition of queer is not going to work for them all. So we'll be engaging with this question from episode to episode as we explore new contexts. If you listen to a few episodes and like what you're hearing, then you can find us on Twitter as Queer as Fact, on Facebook as Queer as Fact, and on Tumblr as Queer as Fact, because we are incredibly on-brand. You can also contact us directly at queerasfact at gmail.com, and we will be very excited if you do. From all of us here at Queer as Fact, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in episode one. Except we won't, because it's radio. I've broken free of my Terrigen cocoon, and it turns out I actually have squirrel powers now. Cool. You can jump really far. Anyways, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? Um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay's spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced Embiggin! You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and, I don't know, your slight disappointments of the mcu and how it uses its characters like honestly that that one reveal about what the hydra cult was all about in uh ages of shield was rather disappointing yeah send us your favorite mutant polycules (laughs) yeah or you could also send us a friendship promo whether it's an audio clip or a proof for us to read because either way we will put in a free ad for your podcast or your youtube or even your deviantart not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. As always, our cover art is by Alex Pierce, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info is available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. All right, Lindsay, we got one more guest for Guestapalooza! And so, yeah, next week, as long as we get all the treasure, we're going to the moon! Okay. So I guess it's thematically appropriate. Yeah. So we will be meeting that mutant polycule next week. <laughs> but not if we were to be
first. Bye.